your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Rare edition, Tuesday edition of Red Raider Football with Joey McGuire tonight. That'll be at 6 o'clock as uh, Coach McGuire will uh, break down the, uh, the ball game on Thursday night as uh, Texas Tech and TCU will... Uh, We'll do battle over at Jones Stadium. Of course, we'll have Optimum Game Day Live coverage. It'll begin this week at 6 a.m., a special start time uh, with the morning drive. Yours truly and Jamie Lint, Jeff McGuire will all kind of weigh in throughout the morning and uh, take you all the way up till kickoff uh, with Optimum Game Day Live on Thursday. Uh, the official communique is out. The school is out at 2 o'clock. Uh, primarily so that you can get your park your car out of the parking spot by 2.30, okay? so It's, it's really not for the students. <laughs> yeah. It's for the, so, so for the fans. You get that car out of that parking lot by 2.30 or we are going to tow it to the wrecking yard, okay? So make sure that you get out of class. No, no post-class uh, conversation with a professor trying to curry favor or trying to understand any kind of Pythagorean theorem or, you know, any kind of breakdown of, uh, you know, Custer's last stand or anything like that. So make sure you get your keister out of that chair and into your car and put it in the garage or wherever it is that you, uh, wherever you take it. Uh, Coming uh, along with him to Red Raider football with Joey McGuire will be uh, assistant coach Stephen Hamby, who's responsible for the offensive line and senior offensive lineman Caleb Rogers. That'll be uh, Red Raider football with Joey McGuire tonight at 6 o'clock right here on Double T 97.3. And we'll get to some comments from, uh, from Coach McGuire. We get this, and really this is, this is your question, Jamie. It was addressed to me and you, but really this is your question. How does baseball determine which pitcher gets the win? Uh, Scherzer and Gray both pitched three scoreless innings, both pitched at least one inning after the Rangers scored their three runs. Gray got the win. Why is that? <laughs> a starting pitcher unless a starter pitcher must pitch five innings to get a win unless before the game it is determined that a certain pitcher like say he's coming back from an injury mm-hmm. or maybe he's a bullpen guy that you're starting that it's determined that he is on a pitch count and he can only pitch so many innings okay so almost always the starter has to go five to get a win. So okay. Scherzer only went three innings last night. So as a starter, he did not qualify for a win. Okay, He was not on a pitch count, mm-hmm. anything like that. He did not qualify for a win. Now, as far as it goes, after that, um, you know, somewhat, there's there's a little bit of set in stone to it. Like usually the guy who pitched the previous inning after you took the lead or before you took the lead, so the previous inning, before you took the lead, he's usually the guy that gets the win. But you might see a guy do exactly as Jonathan Gray did last night. Um, You might see him pitch really well for a a bunch of innings, and it stays scoreless, and later on in the game, somebody comes in, and then the next inning they score, and that first guy might, the the official score might give the, the win to the guy who pitched a bunch of innings, even if he wasn't the starter. So um, usually, it's almost always 
right after you know, the guy who pitched before they took the lead, you know, late in the game, that's going to be the guy who gets the win. Okay. Almost always, okay? And same thing with the starter. Almost always he's got to go at least five to get credit for a win. Yeah, and I, the thing that you added to that, I didn't realize that because I figured, I, I thought it was always the case where the starter had to go five, but what you just said about the pitch count or, yeah. you know, if he's... If it's predetermined, predetermined ahead of time, yeah. he's only throwing 50 pitches today, you can actually get, he can actually get a win. Is that something you have to notify the official score of before the game? I, 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 I'm not really sure how they, how they do that, uh-huh. but something to that effect i guess okay is that is that also in effect with the at the college level too or is oh it, absolutely i think okay. you see it way more there than you yeah. do at the major league okay. level okay yeah. um there were two holds and a save also issued last night <laughs> yeah. uh, um you know so, so the clerk finished it out he mm-hmm. gets a save right right but chapman and um spores didn't give up the lead so they get holds they get holds yeah. The, and last night was pretty. So Jonathan Gray finished. He went four, five, and six, correct? Mm-hmm. Rangers took the lead in the seventh. No, no, no that's no. not true. They Rangers took the, took the lead in the third. In I'm the third. Sorry. Yeah, all the yeah. runs were scored all in the third. All the runs were scored in the third. Yeah. So so those guys didn't give up the lead, so they get credit for hold, and LeClerc mm-hmm. got the last three out, so he gets credit for a save. He gets credit for the save. And to get credit for a save... We want to get real deep into it. Okay, it's got to be within three runs. Okay. Okay, or he comes into a game where the tying run um, is is uh, in the uh, on-deck circle. Or if he pitches the last three innings, all three innings, gets nine outs, you can get credit for a save then too, even if it's a 18-1 to one game. Mm-hmm. So it's not within three runs. He can still get a save if he pitches the last three innings. Last three innings, okay. And, you know, he struck out two last night, uh, LeClerc did. Um, and you know, boy, about that first at bat of the ninth, that was a uh, man, that was a rough one for our home plate umpire. Yeah, I mean, he calls a a ball on a on a pitch that looks like it's definitely in the strike zone, and then on the was it three one pitch? Three one, yeah. It was definitely outside, and would have been a leadoff walk, which you just never know how that completely sure. changes an inning. And said he. I don't know if it was a makeup caller. He just he missed too badly because that one was was clearly outside, and he calls that one a strike, and then they end up grounding out to Josh to to start the inning. To me, that was that was big. But he, you know, I mean, if you're a Ranger fan, you're like, yeah, well, he blew one at two zero. Yep, he did. If you're an Arizona fan, you're like, well, a two zero pitch is not as important as would have been ball four. I mean, sure. that takes away a base runner. So anyway, and just the I, mental aspect too. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, that you're right, Chuck. The the two O when you're when you're just coming into the game and you're trying to find the strike zone and and you're at two O and then you you put one in there for a strike and you're like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, no, it's when you're three O. You're like, oh man, you're 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 stressing a little bit. I don't know what Major League Baseball did with this umpiring crew, like what they're what they were looking for in it. When you look at like the the umpire rankings, you got like the number two guy, and then nobody in the top thirty. It, it's just weird. For I thought how he this was good last night. It's just that one at bat. No, no, yeah. and, and I'm not critical and, overall. Yeah, like I thought these guys had done a pretty good job. And we as a blanket statement. And we had heard in game two, you saw this. I'm sure everybody saw the stats in game two that they missed. 
I believe the home plate umpire supposedly missed 12 calls. Yeah. And he was the number one rated um, home plate umpire as far as calling balls and strikes. This season, he missed 12 of them. 10 of them were against the Rangers. And so I, I just, he just had a bad night, I guess. Just had a bad night. They were, they, and I, <clears throat> I'm not aware of this, so you're going to have to educate me. So in minor league baseball, you can dispute the call and they can go back and look at it and they can review it. Is that what I was, is that what I was hearing? A pitch? Yeah. Is that what I was hearing John Smoltz say last night? I don't know. I, don't I mean, they were, they were talking about some button that you can push and that they can review it. Um, I, I was listening to Adele, so I, I didn't listen to John Smoltz. I, I think, I think we've now heard that by, didn't the commissioner say yesterday that by 2025, he expects to automated strike zone. Like there's robot of some sort. Back there? Well, there's just a zone that you throw the ball in and it beeps, whatever. Would you be for that? I, I'm not necessarily, but I, I'm also not adamantly against it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing that I missed last You're night. still going to have to have a home plate umpire back yeah. there to call outs and sure. whatever, foul tips or whatever. Direct traffic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I missed last night was... After those two missed calls, you had no harumping with the manager because I guess if he goes out there and argues, he's immediately tossed, right? If you argue balls and strikes. Yeah. yeah. But I, I kind of miss the, you know, emotion of that, you know, scruffing of the dirt and, you know, kind of giving your, your two cents because you get to do that in, you know, professional basketball, college basketball, NFL. You just don't get to do that in Major League Baseball. We got to speed it up, Chuck. <laughs> Baseball fans got to get this over with, man. Got to get it over with so you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Great to have you with us. Yates Flooring Center chat line is open. Go to the Double T 97.3 mobile app presented by Happy State Bank. Uh, we get this. We don't want a seventh game. Yeah, at this point in time, you don't want a sixth game. Go ahead and finish it up out there. That's right. Right? Lock it down. They won uh, their ninth straight on the road in postseason play. That's a record. Crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, might as well. Just, just go ahead and win it there. Just go ahead and win it in Phoenix and don't have to... You can kind of put everything up for the for the for the winner. That would be that'd be some kind of awesome if uh, if that were the case. All right, the uh, Texas Tech football team is uh, as I mentioned in action on Thursday nights. A six o'clock kick from Jones Stadium. We'll have uh, Optimum Game Day live coverage at six a.m. on Thursday morning. Red Raiders taking on a TCU team that. Um, it's coming off of a loss at Kansas State, forty-one to three. They are four and four in Big Twelve play. Excuse me, four and four overall, two and three in the Big Twelve. Just like the Red Raiders, who are two and three, but three and five in overall play. Tech coming off of a loss to BYU, twenty-seven to fourteen. Red Raiders have lost two in a row uh, coming into this one. I had forgotten about this, but. Uh, this is the battle for the saddle, Jamie, uh, between these two teams. Uh, TCU has won the last four uh, for the battle for the saddle. However, however, you're 2-0 and 
on Thursday night games against TCU. Okay? So, so saddle up. <laughs> saddle up. Battle battle for the saddle. I wonder if it'll be on on display on the sideline when TCU will bring it and have it have it ready to be shipped over here to uh, the uh, to the west sideline uh, for the Red Raiders. Coach McGuire can hold it up or some of the players can hold it up or something like that. I wonder I wonder with the new configuration of Jones Stadium the with the south end zone because the team will enter from the south end zone next year once they get everything complete. I wonder if they'll put the saddle back that they would touch, you know, as they were leaving the locker room. Got to think that they will, right? Yeah. yeah Got to think that they will. I would guess so. Those those things don't really cross your mind, do they? That, they do not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Obviously, that's crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's... What, I, you're probably not the only one. That makes it unique. I mean, I think that's pretty cool when they when they do that, when they touch it. I don't think uh, Fearless Champion's available for this. I think Fearless Champion's still on the mend. I wonder if we'll see... I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it's a boy, girl, or boy horse, or girl horse, or an it horse. So, I'll just we'll just call it the horse. I don't know if we'll see the horse again this year. Okay. So that's that's disappointing because well, I think you know be the able, way the year's gone. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> just another 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 disappointment. Um, just another brick in the wall. Just another brick in the wall. That's right. Are you a fan of Pink Floyd? I'm a fan of that song. Okay. All right. uh, I like a little pink point. Uh, guys that will be out for sure against TCU, uh, the left guard, Cole Spencer, and uh, the tight end, Mason Tharp. And he, he said neither are out for the season, although, man, it's been quite some time since we've seen Mason Tharp, and I, and I still do not know the specific nature of his injury. There's speculation that it's, you know, a, a leg injury, that it's a concussion. Um, some have speculated it. Will he? Will he come back? Blah blah blah. But I, I, I guess as if they wanted you to know, we would know. Okay. Right. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. probably a reason they're not telling everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's to to protect the player from further injury, man, I I get it. Um. Or do you think it's something else? Or it's just serious. Yeah, it's just serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The, and we've talked about this. Uh, Dennis Wilburn is going to go back to the center position. Rusty Stats, the previous center, is going to go to right guard. So that seems like a wise move. Yeah, we're not looking for any Keenan Evans bounce pass back <laughs> to our quarterback. If so, we'd see if Keenan Evans has got some, got some time available. I don't think he would be a good blocker. Yeah, I don't think he's big enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, probably, you're, you're probably right. Probably. Um, yeah. You're right about that. <laughs> he Think about can that do commercial. a lot of things. I just... yeah, we'll probably stay together, so let's get tattoos. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, the other good news is uh, concerning Jacob Rodriguez. Uh, right now, he Coach McGuire said yesterday he's not ready to say 100%, but said 90%, and they want to make sure that he can get 30 or more plays, but... That would give you as as healthy a linebacking core as you've had since basically the first quarter of the Wyoming game, which was the first game of the season. So that would be that would be excellent news uh, as far as as far as the tech defense is concerned, because it 
it would just add add to your depth and and then the other thing uh, that came out yesterday was the fact that baron morton is actually participating in practice as opposed to soft tosses in the training room or just trying to rehab in the pool which i have to think exponentially will help um your um your receivers and and just the the connectivity between quarterback and and those guys and coach mcguire was asked yesterday about uh the receiving group and why it's not worked out for him and, and he pointed back to the quarterback and the injuries and and i guess the inconsistency of what of who you've had back there so i mean you can say well that that's an excuse or that's fact or there's somewhere in between um but you'd also like to say to those receivers hey we need you to step up. You're supposed to be the veteran crew here. You're you're the guys that we were all counting on. You were the position group where we said, "Hey, there's the one place we don't have to worry about is wide receiver group, right?" Yeah, I know. I think the struggles along the offensive line at the quarterback position have factored into it, but I think the biggest factor is that your wide receivers have have been inconsistent. Yeah, and be able to haven't been able to create a ton of separation. Mm-hmm. Haven't just seen uh, lots of guys running down the field wide open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this little communique from our friend Chris Need, whom you'll hear at noon today, uh, he reports that the Fraser Alumni Pavilion will be open to everybody, member or not, at 3.30. So that's good news. And we'll be right there at the Fraser Alumni Pavilion on uh, Thursday. And so we get you ready for Texas Tech football right there in front. So come by and say hi and then go get warm. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Morning Drive. Good morning with Jamie Lint. And Jeff McGuire and Chuck Hines will have the high school fan zone tonight at uh, 7 on 100.7 the score. Coaches from Monterey and uh, Lubbock High will, uh, will visit the high school fan zone. Tomorrow night it's Friendship, Cooper, and Liberty that will all uh, promote their uh, various sports teams and their um, athletes and uh, get you ready for high school football uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, Thursday, the uh, Coronado Mustangs take on Tascosa. That'll be at Lowry Field, and we'll have it for you on 96.9 The Bull at 6.30. And then Monterey will play at uh, Amarillo, and we'll have that for you on 107.7. Yes, FM, that'll be at 6.30 as well. And, of course, we'll have Texas Tech football. Optimum game day live coverage begins at 6 a.m. On uh, Thursday, the kick against TCU is at 6 p.m. Red Raiders coming off of a bye week. Coach Joy McGuire meeting with the media yesterday and was asked, what did they work on the most this past week of the bye week? Uh, You know, I think, um, one, it helped getting Barron back throwing. So I think the timing of the passing game with him, I think that's going to be a big difference. Um, You know, I think uh, one thing defensively, that we worked on as far as just uh, we had a lot of time with our tackling drills, different drills, uh, you know, being able to tackle in space. I mean, we missed a huge tackle on one of the first big plays against BYU, you know, that should have been a gain. It was going to be probably a five-yard gain that turned into whatever that turned into, and so tackling. And then, um, you know, I think I said it last week, so I'll say it again if I didn't, but like, uh, Tyler Owens is going to star. C.J. Baskerville is going to boundary safety. I mean, kind of moving some guys around. I think, uh, you know, challenging the coaches, challenging myself, but also challenging the players of, 
Um, you know, you're going to see different combinations throughout Thursday's game of who's out on the field. Um, you know, and it's not, you know, shaking up, uh, hey, you're not playing well enough, but just remembering that this is a competition and whoever practices the best is going to be on the field. And so we really focused on, you know, on that and just fundamental football. I mean, that's what the – when you go into a bye week, the biggest thing is like what you're not doing well, um, you know, and, and really concentrating on that. 7-17 this morning. So let me ask you this um, because there's the, the note from uh, – Tech football and the notes for this week with regard to the defense. Texas Tech has surrendered seven points or less in the second half of three of its five Big 12 games thus far. Red Raiders are giving up 8.4 points per game over the final 30 minutes to league opponents this year. Defense really hasn't been your problem. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking about and, and when he was talking there. And, and truth be told, that may... Uh, they may be trying to do the same exact thing on offense. He just happened to be just talking about the defense there. But, um, yeah, I, I was definitely thinking that, you know, is, okay, are we are we making changes on offense too or are we figuring out what's gone wrong on offense? Because despite the fact that you've, you've not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination on defense, I don't, I don't think you've been losing many of these games because of defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, truth of the matter is they, they gave up the three points is all in the second half last week and gave your ball your offense the ball back a ton and yeah. you just couldn't do anything with it and mm-hmm. i mean just go back to those stats from last year where your offense scored almost 20 points per game less on the road than they did at home and that's the same exact thing we're seeing this year and and the turnovers and it just it just seems like and i don't i don't think they're trying to camouflage how bad the offense has been or the struggles that you've been, regardless of whether it's... And let me, let me. I don't know if camouflage is the right word, but I think they're trying to keep blame away from the offense. And and, and, it, and it seems like for every time that the offense screws up six times, the defense may screw up once, but hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna spread the love equally of what's gone wrong between both units. And then I just, I guess I just look at it and go, okay, you lost 27 to 14. You, you lost to K state 38 to 21, but those, those weren't, those weren't defensive losses. I mean, you lost to West Virginia 20 to 13. That wasn't a defensive loss. Um, and you, you held Wyoming down in the first game. It took two overtimes for them to get to 35 points. I mean, frankly, uh, there, there've been times throughout our, our, our tenure of watching tech football, or at least certainly mine, where you go, Man, if we had any kind of a defense, we'd be, you know, we'd win two or three more games. And you've kind of had that the last couple of years. Um, and it's been the offense, whether it's the offensive line or the quarterback injuries or, you know, a myriad of, of problems, not calling the right play at the right time. At least that's certainly many's opinion, mine, mine as well. Or putting your defense in a terrible position uh, by going for it. Um, so it just you just kind of look at this and go, hmm. It's not just it's not the defense's fault here. You know, the one thing you can criticize the defense for is they have not been able to get turnovers this year for whatever reason. Yeah, no, that's fair. You know, that's that's something that they have not not been able to do. So here's uh, Coach McGuire on the biggest thing that they need to do to improve in the last four games. Um, the two the two things I think you know on the offset side of the ball is taking care of the football. You know, um, we did it, of course. You know, you do a. a it wasn't a bye week through eight games last year, but a comparison of last year to this year, you know, and 
Um, the one thing that jumps out is, you know, the turnovers, especially the last two games. So the thing that we've got to do to, to give us an opportunity to win is we've got to do a better job of taking care of the football. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I think uh, it's, you know, getting to the quarterback and actually sacking the quarterback and then um, we've got to create some turnovers. I mean, that's the thing. I think I talked about it uh, the other day, you know, whenever the last time we were all together is like, you know, we're talking about um, us turning the ball over, but we're not taking the ball away, you know. And so some of that is uh, calls, but some of that is also catching the balls that that are thrown to you. So we've got to do a good job. Uh, I thought we had a good day yesterday. And, and it's got to – but the thing is, is every time – you hear coaches talking about we practiced well or we had great energy at practice or all that. That's got to carry over into a game. You know, it's got to carry over into a game that, um, you know, we're taking the ball away in the game. We're protecting the ball. That's what we've got to see. We've got to see those guys, you know. Um, and, and and it's not that you're going to see any more young guys. I mean, the guys I think that you, you might see some young guys on special teams uh, to try to get some game experience. But we're playing a lot of young guys too. I mean, we're – We've talked about the secondary guys and, um, you know, Dylan Spencer. We've talked about those guys playing, so we're going to continue to play those guys. Those guys aren't redshirting, and so um, getting some reps out of them. But just as a whole, those are the things that I want to see. And putting pressure on the quarterback, I mean, that that has been a, a little bit of a challenge uh, this year. I mean, you, you haven't gotten – doesn't seem like very many sacks. Um, no. And so – you, and that you, you would think that that plays into the, you know, not forcing a lot of turnovers. Yeah, him and able to get to the quarterback yeah. and pressure him. And, and there and there've been some drops, um, as you know, I mean, it, as well, where you just go, man, just catch the ball. But I mean, easier said than done. I understand that. And, and it's not technically a turnover, in the in the sense of you know getting a, a pick or a fumble. But your team team has done a really good job of stopping them on fourth down mm-hmm. and getting a turnover on downs. And I, it doesn't count for that stat, but if you were to count what they have done in those situations this year, I'll bet you're right on pace with where you were last year with turnovers because they've been very effective when they've had to be effective. Yeah, opponents are 7 of 16 on fourth down uh, against Texas Tech. Meanwhile, the Red Raiders offensively are 18 of 27 and on fourth down or excuse me third down uh, your opponent is 47 of 119 so you have done a, a good job of getting them quote off the field and creating those turnovers turnover of the ball like jeff said they're on fourth down all right 725 this morning on lubbock sports station double t 97.3 and double t 973.com. Jamie's question of the day is next. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day. Brought to you by someone not named Jamie. Nor Chuck, but Jeff. Here we go. Here's the question of the day. All right, gentlemen, it is Halloween. Mm -hmm. And while we could discuss candy and we could discuss costumes, Mm -hmm. we're going to discuss sports. And maybe scared isn't the right word. Maybe most nervous. But what is the most scared or nervous you have ever been at a sporting event? Oh, at a sporting event. And how did it turn out? Mm. The most nervous I've ever been? At a sporting event. And I, I should probably include watching as well. 
So if you were sitting at home for a road game. Most nervous or scared you have ever been for a sporting event. There was one that immediately jumps out to me. And it's from a game that we all have extremely fond memories of. Yeah, I, I know what my answer is. It's very simple for me. Um, game three of the Supers against Oklahoma State. See, we faced a hundred times. It uh, went back and forth with them. Uh, had, that, had, that was the Super Regional that meant the most to me. I couldn't stand the thought of Oklahoma State going to Omaha through Lubbock. I couldn't stand the thought of it. I mean, I did not eat that day. Wow. I mean, it just just the thought of it made me sick. So that's the most nervous I've been. When Wilson's ball goes out, it was, you know, I mean, great and all that, but it still didn't feel good, especially when you walk the first two guys in the next inning. You know, uh, I was until you get that final out, man. That was that was the most nervous I've ever been at a sporting event. Chuck, do you? Oh, I've got one. If you're still go, thinking, go ahead. Two thousand eight, the Texas game, with one second left on the clock, mm-hmm. you had rushed the field, and the call is confirmed. If they get everybody off, the call is confirmed. Everybody rushes again. Well, what happened both times you rushed the field when there was one second left on the clock? It was a penalty. A penalty each time. Mm-hmm. You basically kicked off from like your five-yard line yeah. against a guy who had already had a pretty decent return from you, on you earlier in the game until that second was ticked off after both penalties. I, I'm not sure I had blood pumping or took a breath. From when the kickoff happened until when the until he got tackled on the kickoff, because it was just a this is how you're going to lose this game, because you've rushed the field twice, and you're and they're getting they're receiving the ball at like the forty, for for where you had to kick it, and it would have been the ultimate high of the Crabtree touchdown into the end zone, and I dreamed it in my head. None of that would have happened because he could have run that thing back, and. The relief after he was tackled was enormous, but we're talking white knuckle flying on that game, right? For that one second of play that I think took six seconds overall from the time he kicked it to when he got, when he got tackled. But it, I, that was the most nervous I've ever been watching a game. I feel like I wasn't super nervous after we scored. After we scored. Yeah. I still felt the odds of them returning the kick were not great. I was definitely nervous beforehand on the drive, though. Well, um, I'll, I'll give you one that did not turn out well. Okay, and this was a game that I was that I was at. Um, was the was the first Mahomes AFC Championship game um, that Chiefs got down, um, and then they came back. And then um, they kick a field goal to send it in to overtime, and um, you know it looked it looked like um, at one point in time that they were going to. Uh, before that, it looked like they were going to be able to wrap it up, um, 
with an interception, and it was right before that. I mean, it was, I can just remember sitting at the edge of my seat thinking, hey, we're, we're about to see history here. And then there, the interception occurs, and then the Chiefs get called for being offside, and then Brady and Edelman go on down, and they score, and the Chiefs come back and score a field goal, and then they lose the coin flip, and Brady drives down, and, and, and they win the AFC Championship game, and there is no there is no Super Bowl. So, Well, there that, still was a Super Bowl. just didn't include the Chiefs. Yeah, there was. They still played the game. <laughs> they still played the game, right? But that was one that uh, that you know. I mean, I literally, literally was on the on the edge of my seat, just just you know, racking nerves. The the other one that's on the list for me, and when you look back on it, it's a little silly because it's a four zero sweep. But game four of the two thousand five World Series. Because it was one to nothing mm-hmm. in a series that, and, and I will tell every Astros fan in the world this, that series could just as easily been three one the other direction for how those two teams were balanced, and that's like it. The White Sox are probably my number one team, and getting a chance to see them win a World Series was was huge. Them playing in the World Series it it, it was huge, and nail-biting game, going down the line. You'd already had the extra inning game that that took forever to get through. Uh, that would probably be number two on my list. I bet Rangers fans can name a, a couple of instances where they were sure. very nervous in the same type of situation. Um, but, man, those would be number one and number two. The, crab tree, the, the play after Crabtree mm-hmm. and up until the final out of game four of the 05 World Series. Mm-hmm. 7.38 this morning here uh, on the morning drive. If you have a thought or a comment, um, hit us up on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Uh, somebody says this, the national championship game for men's basketball. Yeah, no, no mm-hmm. question. No question. That's one that did not uh, obviously turn out turn out well for you. Uh, that was uh, still an extremely unfortunate. Uh, somebody says this, I agree. I was in the stadium for the 08 Texas game. I was holding my breath. Uh, the entire time, Crabtree caught the thing and his run in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so fun. So, so what? So fun. So fun. Yes, absolutely. Uh, somebody says, happy Halloween, fellas. Yeah, happy Halloween to you as well. 7.40 this morning here on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. The boom, boom, boom is next. Reminder. Red Raider football with Joey McGuire tonight at 6 from 6 until 7. And then right after that, take our microphones to Phoenix as uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers play Game 4 of the World Series at the D-backs place. 7 o'clock, first pitch tonight. We'll pick it up right there. Rangers hope to take a 3-1 lead tonight. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. If... uh, you're out trick-or-treating tonight. Uh, you'll, if you'd like, as you're uh, driving your kids around, hear the uh, the words of uh, Joey McGuire tonight, Red Raider football Joey McGuire tonight, 6 o'clock. Stephen Hamby will be on with him, uh, the assistant coach, uh, assist, the offensive line coach, um, among others. So they'll, uh, they'll talk, I'm sure, about uh, the bye week and talk about uh, the TCU game coming up on Thursday night. We'll have... Lots to say about that as we get closer to it. It'll be here before we know because it's Thursday, right? Day after tomorrow. So tomorrow's like a Friday for us. And uh, our friends Aaron Dickens and Dr. Mike Gustafson will be over at Twin Peaks tomorrow afternoon.
it doesn't uh, it doesn't work that way because then you still got another Friday. No, right. Yeah, when Friday. you say it's a Friday for you, like you're <laughs> you're off after that. Okay. <laughs> it's not necessarily the case. It's 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 like a Friday. It's like a Wednesday. It's like a it's like where a, you have a lot of. A ton of work to do the next day. Right. It's like the day the work gets done. Right. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Truly. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so we we get Friday off. Oh, apparently. No. Or, no. or actually Thursday mm. and Friday off because mm. that's the weekend. Because if tomorrow's Friday. Hey, well, no, 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 no. Right. We don't get Thursday off because we have to work Saturday. Right. Okay. So normally we'd have to work, but we get Friday and Saturday yeah, I off. I think you just yeah. said that to the wrong two people, Chuck. Well, I mean, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, I'm working. I'm sure. working Thursday too. I mean, I'm not doing as much physical labor as 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 what you two guys are. Okay, or, well, you come you come hang out with us Thursday. Okay, we'll see if it Wednesday was like a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I am leaving. I am leaving early Friday. So, um, a cross town sales meeting. Yeah. Mm, no. No. Leaving no. early on Friday. Well, I'm I'm doing this show and then I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm gonna go out of town. Mm. I'm gonna go see my mom. We're gonna we're gonna go see my mom. Well, Check I, I I salute you for going to go see your mom. Mm-hmm. You are done talking about going having it be a Friday on a Wednesday. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> strike that. Strike the strike the last five minutes. Um, Eight seventeen this morning here on the morning drive. Uh, Zach Ketley is the offensive coordinator for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. He was asked yesterday about. Uh, Baron Morton, and specifically, is the deep ball back with Baron Morton being healthy or healthier? Yeah, you know, again, I think a lot of that's going to predicate off the run game to a certain extent, too. But if he can let it ride, I mean, we need to let it ride. You know, that's one thing that we, um, you know, Coach kind of mentioned our, our uh, comparison first games, eight games from last year to this year, where we haven't been able to hit the deep shot as many times uh, this year. Um, as we had last year. So if we're able to, to stretch that defense vertically a little bit more, um, which I think he, his arm will be ready to do that, I think that's huge, you know, again, because the more you're stretching on vertically, the more that's going to open up the run game. And then the more your run game, and, and conversely, that comes up, now you're going to be able to take the shots over the top because now they're going to be squeezing down for the run game. So um, we, we feel like we got a good plan, definitely going to try to open it up a little bit more uh, again, but also realizing that, you know, 28's the hot hand right now. We've got to keep running 28 as well. That's Taj Brooks, but I think the reason you haven't been able to throw deep is because his arm hasn't allowed him to throw deep. And so if he's if he's healthier um, and able to do it, then that will extend the defense a little bit and maybe keep them a little bit more on, honest, especially if you fling that's, one early. Yeah, that's what you're hoping for, just to be a little bit more balanced so uh, defense doesn't know what to expect and find different ways to be able to hurt them. Can I make a? I'm going to make a bold statement right now. Okay, mm-hmm. make a bold statement right now. Your first play from scrimmage, I'll bet you that ball is in the air. Thirty plus yards. I bet you they, I bet you they go long first play. First play, Jaran Bradley, Miles Price, somebody along those lines is going to go deep. I'm not saying the ball is going to be complete. I'm just going to say. He's gonna. He is going to send a message. Play one. Okay. You like that? Um, I, I would prefer to turn around and hand it to Taj Brooks and let him go get ten yards. Okay. Yeah. Just mark my words. That's what's. I think that's what's going right. to happen. Okay. Okay. 
820 this morning here on the morning drive. Now let's uh, turn it over to the other side of the ball. Defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter, he was asked about improving on getting turnovers, specifically the defense, getting turnovers from the other team's offense. You know, part of it is, you know, you got to get people a lot of times into third and pass situations. We didn't do that as much as we needed to in our last game. Um, you know, when, when you can get after a quarterback and confuse him with different pass um, coverage looks, give time for your rush to get there. But if you're playing a lot of 50-50 downs or you got to play a little bit more generic coverage-wise, it's harder. Uh, you've got to have guys who violently, you know, tackle the football and get it out and separate it from the ball carrier. You do that a lot of times with veteran players that are playing freer, that are playing fast. When you're playing with younger guys, they're more concerned with just getting the ball down. And not to disparage them, that's just how, how it kind of goes with, with younger guys. Uh, but it's something that I think our guys are getting more and more comfortable. And, I, you know, last year we were slow early on and we came on at the end of the season creating takeaways. And, you know, this last third of the season, I hope our guys do the same. That's an interesting point with regard to the, the veteran players versus the younger players in terms of, hey, the, they're just trying to get the guy down, okay, tackle him. Meanwhile, the other guys are hitting them with maybe more authority because they have experience. They, they, know, they know where the play is going or they know what they're supposed to do without having to think. Mm-hmm. So That makes some sense. It does, it does, it does make some sense. And you, like you said, I mean, you hope that you can – you can separate that. I mean, so far, opponents have fumbled the ball nine times, but they've only lost it three times. And so far, opponents have had just five, been intercepted five times. Meanwhile, Texas Tech has been intercepted 12 times. We know some of the reasons for that, obviously, with the the youth at quarterback. And, then, and you've thrown the ball to the wrong team. And you've thrown the ball to the wrong team, I mean, repeatedly. Um, and, you know... A, it's you've not been successful at um you know making some of those catches too when the ball's been thrown to you um your opponent right now is 168 of 269 five interceptions 1754 yards but listen to this uh, the red raiders have 26 more attempts seven more interceptions and only two more completed passes you're 170 of 295 with 12 interceptions so if you're 26 additional attempts, you have two additional completions, but seven additional interceptions out of that. Not good. Not good. Um, you have thrown 17 touchdown passes. Your opponent's thrown 12, but when you're giving it back to them, plus seven. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you're three and five um, on the season. So, uh, from a rush- There's the stat you're looking for. Yeah. The pl- you're three and five on the season. Yeah, three and five, right. That's really the one. <laughs> yeah, right, because right. if you were five and three or if you were, you know, six and two or all those things, right? Uh, let's see. I think Chuck will be right if you get a turnover right off the bat or hold them to a three and out to begin the game. If you get the opening kickoff, I predict a Taj handoff. Okay. Yeah, I think you're making sense there. I could see that. <laughs> Yeah, I like always like the quick turnaround mm-hmm. on a when you get a turnover to immediately go for a big play. I always like that. A lot of offensive coordinators do too. Yeah. Uh, this I've been really disappointed in our receivers. Uh, welcome to the club. Seems we have not won very many one versus one battles. 
not letting Kitley off the hook, but you can't scheme wide open receivers all the time. Uh, I just hope the offensive line allows the quarterback time to get the pass downfield on that first play, Chuck. <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I know there was a time early on in the season where we were pretty hard on the offensive line. I don't think they've been that bad of late. Yeah. I think they've been good in the run game. Yeah. I'm not saying they're, you know, plus plus or anything like that, but. They're not minus minus either. No, I completely uh, agree. Somebody says this I saw the signs that we're going to win Thursday. I saw the signs. Maybe we have Ace of Ace come out and sing the national anthem, do a little live performance of uh, I Saw the Sign. Or maybe it could have been our bumper coming in last. Uh, oh, probably, probably that. Probably that. Pretty sure. It was, yeah, pretty sure it was yeah. too. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.